going to read a little from the Majjhimi Nikaya. This is the Heartwood Sutta, or one of the Heartwood Suttas. I'll do extracts from it. The Greater Discourse on the Simile of the Heartwood, which is number 29. And uh, I'll do a synopsis, actually. And the Buddha, he gives the example of the sense of, he's talking about the sense of purpose, uh, which I've touched upon. This is the purpose, the desire, the seeking for liberation, skillful purpose. And he says, well, someone goes forth. I'm a victim of birth, aging and death, lamentation, pain, grief and despair, suffering. Is there a way to end suffering? This is his sense of intention, purpose. And uh, so this person goes forth and goes forth. And because of this, he starts to praise himself. You know, I'm a gone forth person. You know, so he gets some renown and honor and he, he starts criticizing others because he's now a special gone forth person, you know. <laughs> because of this, he grows negligent. He loses, his, loses the plot. Maybe this was the purification so then they, so the Buddha says, it's like someone who goes into a forest looking for heartwood, <clears throat> looking for the heartwood of a great tree, and they come across the tree, and they just snip away at the leaves and branch, the twigs and leaves. He says, you know, and they walk away with that. They haven't got the heartwood yet. So he says, second example, the person gets gain, renown, doesn't get intoxicated with it, develops a lot of virtue, becomes extremely virtuous, principled, maybe disciplined, restrained, and gets a little bit conceited about that too, thinks I'm more restrained, I'm more disciplined, I'm purer. And he says, this is someone who's like going into the forest looking for the tree and he gets the bark and he thinks that's the heartwood. Another kind of person goes into the uh, Gets goes forth, gets renown, gets honour, develops morality, goes on to develop concentration, samadhi, gets some concentration, thinks, I am concentrated, I've got a concentrated mind, unlike the rest of these people who don't have very good concentration. Praises himself, disparages others. This is someone like going into the forest, goes looking for heartwood, gets the twigs, gets the leaves, gets the bark, and gets the soft sapwood, um, yeah, or the inner, 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 inner bark. He says, so it still hasn't got to the real heartwood of it. <clears throat> this goes on. Next person develops all these things, also gets a little bit of special knowledge mystical experience, knowledge and vision, not knowledge and vision of liberation, but the knowledge and vision that comes from having a very refined mind state. And this is someone, he says, it's like, they got the twigs, they got the leaves, they got the bark, they got the inner bark, they got the soft sapwood, still haven't got the heartwood. <laughs> so, 
nice kind of person gets all these things, has the concentration, has the virtue, has the special ways of seeing things, purified mystical insights into, you know, body, the mind, special spaces, doesn't get intoxicated, doesn't grow negligent, doesn't and doesn't fall into negligence. Being diligent, he attains liberation, which is not in time, which is not occasional, it's perpetual liberation. This is someone who has got the heartwood. And you see, so you, what's the heartwood? This is the heartwood is the unshakable deliverance of mind. Goal of the holy life, it's heart with the unshakable deliverance. So it means that there's never, even if you're not meditating, if you're not concentrated, if you, you know, whatever's going on, there's something there that is not shaken by aging, sickness, death, decay, circumstances uh, of life. Um, and so this is the kind of the sense of the, the aim of this is to purify to the point where there's essentially one of the marks of it is one does not praise oneself one does not disparage others because in reality self and others are fictions <laughs> you know one you don't think in terms one doesn't think in terms of self because what are you talking about other people what do you mean other people self others what's the comparison you know the chitta is moved or not moved open closed uh, you know the chitta and you don't believe in the creations or the perceptions that the chitta brings up self others time place future past this is the deliverance to deliverance from the aggregates perception feeling mental formations the way that we jitter constructs a world of time and place. It's in the deconstructing of that, that uh, liberation is realized, not through holding on to anything that's constructed, imagined, believed in, concocted, even in these refined mental states. So there's a purpose there. We have to bear in mind that this is the mind is, always has some kind of purpose to it and the point is to keep refining that the mind is always aimed at something it always has some kind of purpose or interest chanda we call it motivation and uh, there are obvious ways in which Motivation is corrupted, greed, uh, passion. You can recognize this flustering, heating of passion, aversion, dislike, mistrust, grumpiness, resistance. You notice that. One of the, these, the Buddha said, these are relatively easy to see. The most difficult one is delusion, because the mind is deluded. Uh, and it's deluded in terms of getting, believing in or taking refuge in a condition, 
state, position, status, one's identity, one's mental states, um, one's beliefs. Uh, it's a kind of uh, an escapism. And escapism is is very normal. And escapism is a natural instinct. Uh, and escapism, of course, nowadays is also a big business. Most of a huge amount of our economy is about escaping from reality. Uh, movies, um, fashions, purchases, um, stories, so forth. Uh, uh, and we feel we have a right to we enjoy it. it takes us away from the what we find is uncomfortable and there's a strong inclination to establish some kind of comfort zone that one can dwell in and this is quite normal and quite natural that unless one is uh, has deep realization we will always seek some kind of comfort zone and, uh, you know, in these trainings here, the Buddha's presenting a series of, if you like, relative comforts that one can arrive at, including the sense of uh, self-respect that comes with virtue, the sense of clarity and calm that comes with concentration, the wonderful visions and knowledge one can realise. He says all this, they still act as places where we where there can be escape from self anatta, anicca, dukkha anatta, impermanence, unsatisfactoriness, and not self. Mind has still got something to hold on to. And these are what are called the vipalasas means the distortions the mind still is looking for something a conditioned experience it could have uh, on any level you know, internal mind state external domestic situation mingling of the two i'd like to get nice home base good mind states comfortable that's what i want um and you think well well, why not, indeed? But the aim is actually because these things are, are by themselves uh, subject to decay, breaking up. They don't last. They're subject to, even if they seem kind of solid, they break down quite easily, readily. I mean, uh, physical decay, sickness, and so forth, and seeing so, it. The comfort that you seek should it ideally be um, concentration or a steady mind based upon virtue. And from there, uh, so your mind is clear and steady enough to begin to understand not special visions, but understand the nature of compounded phenomena, nature of existence. So it's instead of being seeing things as distorted, as possibly permanent, possibly satisfying, you, you say, no, no, it's not that. That's not it. That's not it. 
and this causes the mind to turn back into itself. You know, a sense of release occurs. And this is not easy uh, because our nature is to avoid. <laughs> You know, to, to move away, to wriggle, to not. Uh, uh, and so even meditation retreats, as you know, can be harrowing, difficult, but they can also be secure, steady. And once you get comfortable in it, when you can do it well, you can get in some nice states there. Uh, and then you come out and you've got to meet the challenges again. Um, and so many of the teachers are quite aware of this. Yeah. So, for example, Ajahn Chah would make it very uh, always testing people and using essentially creating situations where people are do have a foundation in virtue and concentration, stability, but then they're challenged, 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 challenged. Mm. These challenges are essence of the holy life is to to be challenged sometimes it's the challenge of taking on responsibility when you don't really want to because you're quite comfortable in solitude so then you get given some position or no that you didn't really want yeah in fact you don't feel that good about it at all <laughs> but the idea is you know you stay with it or you're getting comfortable in this particular monastery and the teacher says well you go somewhere else Okay, uh, people you did find difficulty with, you go, you go and work with them. Yeah. Uh, if you like meditation, then you're going to go and do a lot of busy stuff. If you like busy stuff, then the idea is you cut that off and you go to to being in solitude in meditation. It was having a teacher really helpful to keep knowing where you're getting too comfortable and settled in, and we're kind of pushing you out. Yeah. Uh, and this, uh, because it's very difficult to do letting go without something that, that meets you, you know, without something that confronts your will. And although monastic life in some ways is very secure in its, uh, uh, it's supported and one is sort of removed from any of the worldly influences, its main practice is, is the relinquishment of one's will, one's independence, one's individuality. So, for example, you know, Lumpur Sumedho got sent off to become the abbot of a monastery when he was eight reigns. He didn't really want to. He was quite comfortable where he was. And so he had to take up responsibility. He didn't want responsibility. He wanted just the like to meditate. He's quiet. So he got sent off to start a monastery. And he did the same to me when I was five reigns. I had five reigns. He sent me off to teach a retreat. I'd never taught a retreat before. He said, just go and teach a retreat. Okay. Teach a retreat. Don't know how to do it. Just stop. And then, <laughs> and then after that, oh, well, go and start this monastery up in Northumberland. Now, I had one Samanera and an Agarica, the three of us, and this place was a broken down old shepherd's hut with no heat in it. 
and no only one one tap with no drain so and there was an outside toilet it was very cold and bleak and i've got no particular building skills i mean i was trained in literature <laughs> Not a building skill we had to rebuild this place just getting tools and we didn't know how to use them and starting to learn how to work it and spent months doing that i came back from that eventually and he said oh now you can become the teacher of the nuns i don't know how to teach nuns i do okay do that so after seven rains so i asked to become someone trained training nuns and I, I had no experience in training nuns uh, and I do, okay, do that for seven years and then go and become abbot of Chitthurst Monastery. I didn't want to be abbot of Chitthurst Monastery. I, I was fine where I was. Uh, so not only that, but it was an extremely difficult time because the, the day before I was due to arrive, the previous abbot, who was supposed to show me how everything worked, he disrobed, disappeared. So I arrived about 10 o'clock in the evening, not knowing what, anything about the place, anything about the management. The community was in a state of distress because the abbot had just disrobed. And there I turn up, hi, I'm your, I'm your new leader. <laughs> so that was difficult. Um, yeah. And it's like something in you realizes, but once I got to it, I could realize the sense of not willing, you know, wanting to hide, wanting to be comfortable and cozy and settle down somewhere I could just, I was quite happy supporting Ajahn Sumedho, where I could just be off stage. I didn't want to be in the center of it. So I just can do that. Of course, when you're in the center, you get all the, projections the blame the praise the responsibilities people think you should try and fix everything uh, everybody seemed to know what the abbot was supposed to do except me and basically everybody else thought the abbot should be able to make life satisfactory and <laughs> well everything's going to work and of course it doesn't so you get a lot of criticism and blame and you, and you think oh i don't mind so oh it's good 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 getting criticized that's really Really good, good practice getting criticized. Because <laughs> you, you know, why, what's so good about it? <laughs> because you learn to not get thrown around by it anymore. You know, you just keep reflecting what you're doing and be all don't like you or they imagine you should be this and you should be that and you're not as good as this and you're not as good as Ajahn Sumedho and you don't this and you talk too much or you don't talk enough or something and eventually just get to the point where you really withdraw inwardly to just praise, blame, success, loss. Yeah. And uh, you know, find your purpose is just to sustain that inner awareness, that inner strength and inner uh, focus 
not oblivious to circumstances, but you can feel the effects of them. Yeah. And uh, the effects of them are not get and release the indig indignation. It's not fair. Uh, people shouldn't be this way. And you realize actually in this life, you know, who knows how anybody should be. But my, my feelings, they should not be unpleasant to me. <laughs> and uh, that's not other people don't have that on their agenda their ag <laughs> so you have to meet it mm. and this is a dutanga As our tradition is called the dutanga tradition and dutanga means shaking off it's a it's a, it's a very viable uh, mode of practice and Sajjan Chah of course was a leading dutanga monk and this starts off with things meaning like you you only eat one meal a day and you have this strong uh, degree of precepts, renunciation, living simply one meal a day, giving up possessions, um, various things like that. And in this life now, it's rather, it's sometimes difficult to live in that way because we're in a kind of uh, affluent society and in fact the government doesn't allow us to live in graveyards and and <laughs> which is a Jatanga practice you're not allowed to live in graveyards you've got to live in nice houses and homes with um, safety devices we're always having to upgrade the monastery to standards that we don't really want for ourselves but they say it's a public place therefore you have to have all these safety equipment and proper heating and electric work and stuff like that. And you don't really, so you have to, you can't, it's very difficult to be a renunciant in, in that sense. It's almost, simplicity is against the law in Western society. You've got to be complicated. So a lot of your tutangas or, or renunciation practices fundamentally the renunciation of the will. You know, to have things go the way one wants them, to be with the people you want to be with, um, to get things going at the speed you'd like them to go at. It's, uh, it's the, essentially, it's the relinquishment of the will to become, to be. So it's the food is what turns up. Uh, people are what arises uh, and you practice with that and sometimes it gets very quiet sometimes it gets very busy and you practice with that quite a bit of uh, one of the you know interesting features of our of our monastic life is because most of the people who, who become nuns or monks you know would like to kind of live quiet and tranquil and meditate and uh, they, that's their inclination to live quietly and tranquilly and meditate and because it's inspiring you get hundreds of people come to visit <laughs> uh, you know so it attracts it attracts the stuff that in a way you were trying to get away from trying to get away from you know 
busyness and business and doing things and meeting people, you want to get away from it. Uh, then eventually you don't want, you just give up. You realize escape, there is no escape. Uh, you don't want an escape uh, the, the, in the conditioned realm. You don't want to have things go the way you want them to. You want to be in situations that begin to find these places where you're holding on and present the suffering of holding on yeah? and, and, and the ability to relinquish it. That's purpose. And people have asked me about what is this what is this purpose? Because it's sometimes it's about vigor, uh, but not always vigorous. Sometimes it's about doing things, but it's not always about that either. Um, sometimes it's about just being open and still, but it's not always about that either. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, so you see someone like Umpur Samadhi would often talk a lot about being relaxed and open. But actually, my experience always put a huge amount of effort into doing things, building monasteries and teaching. Still does. He's 86 years old. He's still giving talks every week, at least once a week. And doesn't need to, technically. But still that sense of there's a lot of uh, purpose there to support. I've always been huge about around that. Uh, but at the same time, there's a relaxation of doesn't, you know, it's um, not looking for results. We put a huge amount of effort into developing these monasteries, Amrawadi, Chithurst, we used to work many, many hours a day building it up, uh, developing meetings, planning meetings, uh, arrangements, um, business and stuff like that. And he said, well, of course, if the whole thing doesn't work, it doesn't matter because it's just good practice. Whether, whether we get any results out of it, whether the thing fails, whether we close the monasteries down altogether because it doesn't work, it doesn't matter because the main thing is we practiced. That's the thing. You practice. You practice commitment. You practice right view. You practice right action. You practice right livelihood. And you give up results. And this is the purification. The person seeking heartward definitely gets the leaves, the twigs, the bark, the inner bark the sapwood, the heartwood, but finally realize the true heartwood is nothing. It's, it's letting go. Yeah. Look at these, these places of escapism, you know, which you probably don't really notice, you know, the, the snacks and the things we watch and the things we do and just, what a question, yeah. a question on how dependent one becomes upon things that are not evil. They're just constantly, you know, causing the mind to diffuse into present, future, past, things out there. You know, and we, we kind of 
diffusing. Yeah. And keeping that sense of disengagement as a as the fundamental place you always go back to. Yeah. Because you, you don't fit in this world. You're a, you're a, a spirit. Chitta has come into this physical form and one day it will move on. We came into this thing and one day it will move on. This is not our home. Yeah. <laughs> so the disengagement is, is the standing on that place of homelessness and witnessing and, you know, not checking when one's getting gently, even gently pulled out into time, place, situation. So, check it out. And uh, the Buddha doesn't say you don't need virtue and concentration. He says, yeah, these are essential virtue and concentration so you do have that inner stability to act as the basis from which you check how circumstances are affecting you so offer this for your reflection this evening so let's just take that hovering moment no particular thing to do just Letting the echoes of what's been said or arose for you come into awareness, see what they pass, see what's left. This is often we arrive at insight through this lingering. The effects. Mm. Is anything you feel a sense of direction? This mm. recognition, something that was being held on to, that you sort of notice, oh, that. Yeah. So let, let, let the results of meditation and instruction settle in your own silence and stay awake witnessing that. So I'll take leave now and uh, thank you for your attention and may your practice bear fruit.